With cybersecurity becoming more complex and the threats even more dangerous, knowing what to do to protect yourself can seem like an impossible task. That is until now. Welcome to the Cyberbytes Podcast, where we help you filter through the noise one bite at a time. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Nick Sturgeon, your host, and this is the Cyberbytes Podcast. I, I just can't express enough joy that I have about October. It is like Christmas for us cyber geeks. It is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And to kick it off day number two, I am really, really fortunate to have my guest here uh, who is extremely busy this month. So to, to be able to get some of his time to come on, talk about what this month means for us as professionals, especially now with COVID, with the work from home and all the schools and and just everything, how important cybersecurity is because of what has happened over the last few months. So with me, very fortunate, was able to um, meet Daniel Elliott last year at an event here in Indianapolis. The event didn't go quite as planned, but that's okay. But I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have Daniel on here from the National Cybersecurity Alliance to talk about what this whole National Cybersecurity Aware, Awareness Month means and, and that movement and what we're trying to get out of it from the public-private partnerships that happen out there. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. First-time guest, it's an honor to have you. And how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And seeing you again. You too, man. I, I it, Following you on LinkedIn, it doesn't seem, even with the the travel restrictions and, and everything going on with COVID, that you have been any less busy with the, the talks and the conferences. And it's the message that you guys are doing from the National Cybersecurity Alliance and, and the efforts there on uh, from all across industry and home, it, it's it's wonderful. So I'm really really happy to to have you as a guest. So to kind of start back, you know, introduce yourself since it, it is your first time on the show, and you know, tell my listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I am director of education and strategic initiatives at the National Cybersecurity Alliance, and so we're a nonprofit, five hundred one c three devoted to cybersecurity education and awareness on a national scale. And um, so I lead our educational port, our entire educational portfolio and all of our uh, strategic partnerships, not only nationally, but uh, globally uh, to make sure that we're building strong partnerships to share best practices and resources. And uh, cause as you know, cybersecurity knows no borders. And so we want to uh, make sure that we're building as strong partnerships as we can across the globe. And so that's, that's a little bit about what I do. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the, the beyond just basically being along with CISA being the, the main promoters of national cybersecurity awareness month, what are some of the other activities that you guys do as an organization? Yeah. So outside of uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we also lead Data Privacy Day, which is recognized every January 28th. And so uh, that's usually 
a, a big event in San Francisco at LinkedIn's headquarters. But um, this year it'll be a virtual event, of course. Um, and so outside of Data Privacy Day, we also lead um, a small business focused program called Cyber Secure My Business, which is focused on educating the small and medium sized businesses across the country on what steps they can take uh, to better secure their organizations and train their employees. And um, all year long, outside of just October, all year long, we're focused on a, a series of mini campaigns educating small or educating the general constituency on cybersecurity awareness and privacy awareness. And so we'll do campaigns uh, like digital spring cleaning in the spring when everybody's cleaning out their houses. Why not clean out your digital lives? Um, you know, during Valentine's Day uh, time, we'll be talking about romance scams. And so we're always educating people on timely information as it relates to their security and privacy. Yeah. And I think now that we're in this changed world because of COVID, like it, love it, hate it, whatever reality is, our home lives, our professional lives are forever changed. The dependency on technology to what has been there for 10, 15, 20 years, but it's been kind of this separated, well, go to work, you know, work does, you know, the tech and IT and everything there and then come home and we've got our home routers or computers and Netflix and streaming. But now it's just like, whoo, talking about worlds colliding yeah. and, and the, the threats that, we're now it's seemingly segregated or separated, you know, because of this thing called work and this thing called home no longer there. And so I, I think this month now, given everything that's going on, it, it it's, it's super important that we have this messaging. And I, as I was kind of joking with a friend of mine on, on Facebook yesterday, because I, you know, doing the uh, post through the podcast as well as my uh, side business. Uh, my side business is a, a NCSAM champion, you know, practice yes. what you preach. Thank you. Um, welcome. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, you know, a month. I was like, I wish this was a year long event yeah. because <laughs> it's not, I'm glad we have a month. I'm not, so I'm not complaining there. So um, it, it is, it's extremely important that we, this messaging and the people that we're trying to reach really understand the the dangers that are, are there and what they can do to help protect themselves. I'm a big advocate of personal responsibility. And as companies are dealing with the challenges of having this distributed workforce now that have never had to deal with that, uh, it, and now home networks are major, major entry points into, right. to, you know, to the business now. So, I mean, that at some point, you know, that personal responsibility is there because companies, government, it's really hard to protect everybody with as many devices that are connected to the internet. So, um, really, really appreciate what you guys do. Um, again, have had the opportunity to to work with you as well as Kelvin when he was at uh, DHS. So, um, again, you guys do awesome work. So, 
let's talk about the month. I know we're at the yeah. beginning of the month. So um, let's talk about, or if you could, let's uh, tell my audience kind of how the month is organized and, and kind of what the, what the theory is behind the, the, the madness. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is our 17th year of co-leading Cybersecurity Awareness Month with the um, what is now the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Prior to their formation, we led it with the Department of Homeland Security. And this is really a collaborative effort uh, between government and industry, led, co-led by NCSA and CISA, to raise awareness about the importance of cybersecurity and to ensure that everyone, organizations, individuals, et cetera, have the information they need to be safe and more secure online. So uh, usually we choose a theme for the month. And so this year, the overarching theme to what you were just talking about a moment ago is do your part, be cyber smart, right? So that theme in itself empowers individuals and organizations to own their role in protecting their part of cyberspace with a particular emphasis this year um, on if you connect it, protect it. So again, these calls to actions, these empowering notions, if everyone does their part of implementing stronger security practices, raising community awareness, uh, educating vulnerable, audience, vulnerable audiences, uh, our interconnected world will be safer and more resilient for everyone. And as you said, you know, I have a talk that's specifically titled Worlds Colliding. And, um, you know, these worlds are colliding at home and you know we're working at home we're learning at home um you know we're seeking all of our pleasure at home for the most part because we can't go to the movies or out you know out to the restaurants whatever and so with these worlds colliding uh, it's creating an of course an increased threat surface for not only um employers uh, but also for just just individuals themselves um and their home security and so we want to be sure that we're helping people understand what steps they can take to better secure themselves. And we want to equip employers with resources that they can use to educate their employees, because not every employer has a marketing team or security awareness team that they can pull together um, a fully realized awareness campaign. And so part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month is not only educating individuals, but equipping organizations with the resources that they can use, co-brand, whatever they want to do with it, and push it out to the audiences that they want to protect. And so we break the month up uh, in order to help us organize ourselves into uh, weekly themes. And so, uh, you know, the first week of October for 2020 is really focused on if you connect it, protect it, that one call to action. So um, with the line between our online and offline lines, lives now indistinguishable, uh, what we're trying to do is help people understand what steps they can take um, to protect their internet connected devices and what impact on our lives these internet connected devices have on us. On the second week of October, We'll be focusing specifically on securing your devices at home and work. Um, and so what are those specific steps that you can take? The third week, uh, because of the healthcare industries, as and you know this more than anyone, yeah. the healthcare industries increasingly reliance upon internet connected devices and solutions to not only improve healthcare, right? Patient healthcare, but 
organizational efficiency, speed of crisis response, and so much more. Um, we wanted to take a specific week to focus on healthcare. You know, we saw during the pandemic, you know, uh, rapid healthcare facilities being temporary, rapid healthcare facilities being built in parks, you know, being uh, set up in uh, mobile transport um, facilities. And so being sure that we're recognizing the security threats that are facing the healthcare industry and helping organizations small and large understand what they can take, what steps they can take uh, to better secure their organizations. And so we actually just had an event yesterday with a Congressional Cybersecurity Caucus and a group of great speakers talking about um, what they can do. And one of those speakers was from Eli Lilly in, uh, in Indianapolis, actually. Yeah. And our uh, fourth week is focused on the future of connected devices, right? So where do we go from here? as our threat surface will continue to expand because we're continuing to bring more and more connected devices into our homes and offices. Uh, what impact will 5G have uh, on cybersecurity? On uh, What impact will contract tra contact tracing, uh, facial recognition, some of these technologies that people don't necessarily understand. Um, so what, will, what impact might they have on our cybersecurity? as individuals and businesses. And so that's how we've structured uh, the month and we'll be issuing blog posts and resources every single week aligned with each of those themes. Yeah, and you, the, the last two points, I mean, I, I definitely want to cover a little bit because the, especially on the healthcare side, we, there was a massive ransomware attack on UHS uh, earlier in the week and uh, and then last week and, and uh, the show that I did talked about the first reported death or at least you know confirmed death as due to a hospital in Germany you know Dusseldorf you know being under a ransomware attack so we're I mean it is it, and and for those of you who haven't listened to that one and want to want to hear full details on what my opinion and my thoughts are, go listen to that episode. But I mean, we've crossed a threshold at this point, and it, it's it is literally life or death now. It was always kind of um, hyperbole up to a point. I mean, those in the the industry realized the potential for it to be life and death. Especially those we knew that, it was coming, yes, right? We just it, didn't know when. Yeah, and unfortunately, it, it happened last week or, or, or week and a half ago now at this point. Uh, so it is crucial that everybody take cybersecurity seriously. And, you know, when we talk about the medical devices, and I think it transitions nice into the 5G and the future because of you know, medical IOT and just in general, and w there's huge conversations on the, the national security side about uh, Huawei and, you know, the, the, the Chinese potentially having backdoors in that, which I've talked about on the show before. Uh, and, and then just the, the attack surface, as you mentioned, being just exploded. I, it, I remember, eh, I don't know what the, if the, the numbers have changed, but I think by, Oh, it 2022, 2023, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like 20 
billion devices connected to the internet. And I th- this was on a, I think a, um, a Symantec report. Um, but I mean, it's just an unimaginable large amount of uh, devices that are able to connect to the internet and the infrastructure needed to. Yeah, I think there's going to be 41 billion IoT devices okay. by 2027 is what yeah. uh, I think Business Insider Intelligence okay. had said. Yeah. It's it's an ungodly amount. There, yeah. I mean, that's two or three or four devices. Or I, I'm not even going to try to do the math in my head. But that's a lot of devices per person on this planet. Um, yeah. I mean, multi, you know, a couple factors. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when we talk about, I mean, just the the issues with the, getting the infrastructure secured and trust and identity and privacy is a huge piece in that as you know as we're talking about the contact tracing and the the facial recognitions we've seen some governments and again I'll pick on China of how probably is a huge invasion of of what we would consider privacy uh, with the how they have implemented facial recognition and the social scores and and all of that so i mean i mean it's just it is complex and, and I think one of the important things is for folks at home is how does this affect them? And, you know, they're like, well, I can't do anything about some of this other stuff. And, and so they don't pay attention to it. And, and I think one of the challenges we've had as an industry on getting kind of that acceptance or buy-in from folks at home is how does this impact me? And I think, now, because of COVID, we can really start saying, here is why, you know, look at, you know, we've had a couple of issues here in Indiana with K through 12 being hit with DDoS attacks and, you know, the, the infrastructure or at least the, the online learning environments not being able to get to and, and kids not being able to, to get their education and, um, Zoom bombing was a huge issue at the beginning of all of this at the end of the last uh, school year. So um, it's, I guess from the the individual level here, um, what are some of the things that you would, whether resources or how, you know, can that individual or that mom and dad really start protecting themselves? Where can they go? Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the the first things is, of course, you know, go to staysafeonline.org, the National Cybersecurity Alliance's website, because we have resources for individuals, businesses. We have uh, tip sheets on how to talk to your kids about privacy and security. Uh, we have tip sheets for K to 12 education that we created with Educause. And so we have a lot of resources that we develop in response to um, emerging threats. Um, And so when students started working uh, remotely so much, we created that tip sheet. We also saw a surge in employment scams, um, particularly in the beginning of uh, the pandemic when organizations started laying individuals off 
or furloughing or firing and every other form of fashion, unemployment had a huge spike. And so, of course, cyber criminals took advantage of that, set up fake job postings and job sites. And so we worked with FBI to create a tip sheet on how to avoid employment scams. And so all of that information is free and available to the public on staysafeonline.org. And it's um, we're promoting it all throughout the month of October. And we promote it all, all year long. Um, but again, those are available for organizations to also use in their corporate uh, training efforts. And I'll say for each of the weekly themes, like I talked about, you know, week three, the healthcare one, I, I mentioned, talk, you know, uh, healthcare organizations, but it's also individuals, right? So think of all the health monitoring devices that we have, um, you know, many individuals where their watches that track their footsteps, that track their location, that track their blood pressure and pulse and everything else. You know, that is that is a risk. That's a security risk. That's a, a privacy risk. Um, and so it's understanding that individuals can take steps to um, secure their information. They're never going to lock, they're never going to be 100% impenetrable from cyber criminals, right? But there are things individuals can do, like updating their software on their devices, like changing or having strong, long passphrases on their routers, for instance, that router at home that we're sending all of this net, this traffic through. We need to be sure that it, we're not using the manufacturer's passphrase, um, that that software is updated. And so there are things we can do. Um, but we also want to be sure that we create a culture nationally and globally where people feel comfortable asking for help. Don't cybersecurity is hard. Don't feel like you can just you need to throw your hands up and say, I give up. Ask someone for help, whether it's at work. If you get a suspicious email, ask the person in the cubicle over if you're back in the office <laughs> or, you know, um, ask your kid or your neighbor, you know, do you think this is a scam? I have, I have issued a warning to all my family members to ask me, give me a call, text me if they have a question about an email, a text, a phone message, especially my senior uh, family members. And so, um, you know, it, it is good. It takes a community and crime is as old as time and scammers, you know, it's not a new job or a hobby. The, just the delivery mechanism is the internet re related to human history. And so we just need to be hyper vigilant and understand that cyber criminals are bottom feeders and they're always going to take advantage of every opportunity in uh, times of crisis, moments of human vulnerability. Um, moments of human generosity and curiosity and every other emotion and um, influencer, influencing uh, kind of emotion of a human. And so they're there to take advantage of that. And so we want to be sure that we're helping people recognize that, not scare them, but equip them and empower them with information and resources. Yeah, and I think the the scare tactics that was from 
the industry folks was an early, if you don't, it's doom and gloom if you don't do <laughs> this. And, you know, they call that FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's uh, right. The FUD doesn't work. That's right. <laughs> um, a, and even going to the old adage, you, you get more flies with honey, and you've got to, mm. in this messaging, you know, we get enough fear and we get enough uncertainty and doubt. In the, the world's news. scary yeah, already. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it, it's, again, powering through education. It's, hey, if you see this, you know, again, I love the fact that you ask for help. You know, yeah. not everybody, you know, I, I get folks calling me and say, hey, what about this? It's like, you know, there are people out there you can ask him and it, that won't charge an arm and a leg <laughs> or, yeah. you know, it's free advice. I mean, a lot of this stuff uh, to get it out there, it's, we need to make this education as accessible as possible. The, the, the fact that you guys have those free resources for businesses and home, you know, personal and schools. I mean, that's what's needed. And, and, and that's why I'm such a big fan of you, you guys and what you do in your mission and, um, yeah, it's just, it, I love this month. It, it's great. I, again, it's Christmas in October. Uh, I wish it was something that would, you know, it needs to happen year round. But I, as I was joking with my friend, at least we get a month. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's a, it's a great time. It, you know, it would probably be unmanageable. I mean, we, we still do of course an annual camp pay, but not on the scale we do in October. But I think it's a great time to really rally everyone and get them excited like you are and um, to share all the resources because there's no lack of resources when it comes to cybersecurity. There are a ton of resources out there, educational resources. But, um, you know, this is a great opportunity to share best practices and new messages and new approaches. And, um, and new resources. We have a lot of federal agencies and private sector partners that are releasing new updated resources or new ones. And um, it's just a great time to get everyone talking about it and excited about it and recharged uh, for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Cause I mean, Christmas, the, again, the, unfortunately there's a never ending um, opportunity for the cyber criminals, where it's the holiday scams, or we get into. Well, and we're going to see more yeah. right this yeah. year because so many people are, you know, they're not going to the stores to shop, right? And so that we're doing so much more shopping online that this year cyber criminals are going to be on that, right? Mm -hmm. And taking advantage of that as much as they can for you know, trying to target small merchants, well, any merchant, uh, and their e-commerce platforms and mobile payment systems. They're going to be targeting consumers uh, who are sh doing the shopping. And so, yeah, October is actually perfectly timed uh, for Cybersecurity Awareness Month because we're getting all this information to people right before this busy holiday season. Uh, and this year, it's going to be so much more important uh, to make sure people are prepared for the shopping season. Yeah. And, and actually, and I'm going to sidetrack here because for, uh, obviously this is an audio podcast, uh, but Daniel is wearing a nice IU uh, hat. <laughs> <laughs> the only hat I own. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, even though I've got a degree from Purdue, I grew up in Southern Indiana. So, um, out me too. Yeah. <laughs> so appreciate you 
you know, representing uh, the the yeah, cream and crimsons. <laughs> you know, even though I live in Philadelphia, I wear I have an IU face mask and an IU hat, and I walk around, and there are so many IU grads out here in Philadelphia. It's insane. I, <laughs> I always see IU gear. Yeah, it's great to see. <laughs> uh, so, and we expand a little bit. What are some of the things that you know? And this, I'm curious about. Uh, some of the trends and, and, and things that you're hearing from other cybersecurity professionals about what's, you know, kind of they're preparing for. Uh, and, and, it, and again, just may help kind of address those in business that are, are concerned about their business cybersecurity. So what are some of the uh, trends that you're hearing and, and things that others are kind of prepping for? Well, you know, organizations are still struggling with how to equip their employees with this, to try to help them with this new um, arrangement of working from home. And organizations are still trying to reduce their threat landscape as much as they can with all these distributed employees. And so one of the things that I'm seeing is organizations are trying to figure out how to pivot their uh, cybersecurity awareness efforts to train employees, right? Because you want to get them the right information at the right time to the right people. And so um, they're trying to figure out, they're struggling with it, but they're trying to figure out how they can educate their employees on how to be better stewards of both the devices and the systems that they have access to remotely. Also, a lot of organizations weren't equipped to uh, do uh, telework. So they didn't have uh, electronic, you know, t- technology toolkits, for instance, that they could deploy. For instance, that's why we saw a lot of Zoom bombing because we saw employees going out and f- finding technology that they could use to do their job and using it without understanding a lot of the ways to lock those accounts down and secure them. And so we're seeing organizations now get a little savvier with the way they respond to crisis, such as transitioning to a massive telework and creating uh, toolkits for their employees and better guidance on telework. Now we're also starting to see um, organizations try to figure out, well, what's the next step? What will happen um, when employees go back into the workforce, right? Because part of business resiliency is always trying to think of what's next, you know, how Mm -hmm. do we, how do we remain resilient? And so thinking about, you know, what will employee expectations be as far as just working? What about being their dress? You know, (laughs) what are their expectations as far as security behaviors or what would their practices be now that they've been home and working uh, away from the office? And so organizations are starting to think about that next phase of, you know, either what happens when we transition back into the office or how do we grapple with making this long-term, right? So how do we, uh, we actually see that this works? You know, teleworking does work. Um, people are still productive. And so how do we create an organizational security culture and infrastructure that supports that teleworking for maybe a, a longer term, maybe permanently? 
And so um, we're starting to see those conversations happen uh, with organizations um, across the country. Yeah. And I think the, the paradigm shift, I know my employer was um, very much, well, outside of very limited basis, um, basically against, you know, remote work, uh, you know, outside of business travel, which didn't happen a whole lot. I mean, it's very kind of in that traditional brick and mortar. You've got to be in the office. Otherwise you're not being productive. That, that mentality, which is again, a kind of a traditional U S kind of thought process. Um, And now, I mean, to see the, just kind of the, the mindset Hmm. completely kind of flip over and be like, well, man, we were wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we're not the only ones out there doing it. So I'm I'm not going to pick on my employer at all, but I think that is a good, a lot of industries themselves. Yeah that um, are more conservative industries because they have a lot more risk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with, with healthcare, with the financial services sectors, these, or these industries tend to be more conservative with these types of, um, uh, not, only, not only physically teleworking, but the way they communicate things internally and externally, you know, they're just, they have so many more uh, restrictions uh, because of the sensitivity of the content that and the uh, their customers or patients and everything else, and so you know, we do see that hesitation in many industries. But yeah, this forced them to reckon with um, the concept of telework, and it did, it proved them wrong. It showed them that it can work, and so now they just have to figure out how it can continue. How can we build this into our culture? You know, it takes a long time to integrate anything into an organization's culture, like three to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And probably more towards the, the, the 10 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause we're it's similar type of thing at, at my employer with uh, some cultural changes and they did a 10 year strategy, you know, upwards of, you know, 35,000 people. That's a lot of people, a lot of, and especially those that had been there for decades and, you know, kind of stuck in their ways, which happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, but even from a technology stand, you know, organization, I was really surprised about how, no, can't. I was like, but I mean, we're supposed to be leading the innovation in technology, but yet we're still, so especially when I'd come from a, a large organization where, work from anywhere was basically it ingrained into what that organization was. And, you know, being a consultancy firm is that was just part of doing business. So yeah. And we go, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to add that as we build out straight, now that we see that it works and we as organizations build out strategies to support um, maybe longer term or permanent telework, part of that strategy, of course, has to be understanding the security threats connected with that, right? And mm-hmm. so um, FBI and CISA just two to three weeks ago issued an alert that uh, was focused on 
vishing, uh, voice fishing, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, what criminals were doing, were call, they were calling um, new hires who were working remotely. Uh, well, how do they know that they're new hires? Well, everybody says on LinkedIn, hey, I got a new job. So bam, there it is, right? Yeah. So they're, they're targeting new hires and asking, they're impersonating IT or information security saying, we're here, to, we're calling to set up your VPN. And so we need your credentials. And of course, the new employees set up, set up with the cyber criminal, their VPN, uh, supposedly. Yeah. So, um, you know, criminals are targeting these new work environments in different ways using a mix of traditional, um, such as phishing emails and also uh, more emerging with uh, voice phishing. And so we just, you know, as we onboard new employees, we have to help them understand what the threats are and also help them understand how to engage with our security teams and cultures, right? Uh, Who are the resources? Who can they turn to? Because one thing with telework, people feel isolated. They feel like they're not connected to the larger organization. And we have to be sure, particularly as information security professionals in um, organizations, we have to let employees know that we're still there. We're still supporting them. This is how to get in touch with us. Um, And these are the threats targeting you. Uh, And so uh, it just takes a new approach for everyone. Everyone's still trying to figure it out. But I think one of the biggest things for organizations is to not let employees feel like they're isolated, that they're out there on their own or they're in their house by themselves without the support of the organization. And so it needs to be a regular cadence of communication from not only the organization, but from the information security team as well with the heightened threat uh, that this poses to the organization, uh, that telework uh, poses to the organization. Um, And of course that also requires a culture, an organizational culture that supports the security team. And so um, there's so many shifting dynamics and that could be an entire podcast on its own, of yeah. course. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, what happened? Uh, so talking about Zooms, it, it muted me on, on its own. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. In each of these topics there's so nuanced of information that we can go down and get you know extremely technical or philosophical or yeah. you know political about it you know because there's a lot of um a, a strong opinions about <laughs> everything i mean oh, yeah. you know if it's an idea somebody um has a, an opinion about it and um and sometimes that can cause conflicts. Um, so, and I think when you look at it, you know, being a, ingrained in, in part of our, our culture, again, I think going back to the um, personally, or being personally accountable um, on these things, and that goes to corporate accountability as well as individual, um, because what happens, um, and I love government, I worked in government for a, a decade, um, is when it gets to the point where government has to intervene, it's already too late. Uh, because by that point, b- 
because of our government process being built deliberately slow, you know, you're you're talking years. I mean, look how long it took to get CISA as an agency <laughs> from the first time they said, hey, we need a dedicated cybersecurity agency. It took 10 years at least. Yeah, it's, um... it's it, it, so, but, and this is that dynamic where business, because we're in such this great, at least, you know, if going back even a decade in this gray area of cybersecurity, like, I don't know, what do we do? I mean, we don't, you know, because it's, it's touching a lot of other things and, you know, what do we do? So it was looking to government for guidance and, and government was trying to figure it out just at the same time as everybody else. Um, so at, at some point you have to just move. Um, and, and I think in, you know, just in business or just in life, sometimes you, you just have to move. And, and that's why our partnership with CISA works out so well. So we being a nonprofit uh, collaborator with CISA, uh, they, they even recognize, you know, the, the pace of government is slower. And so we as a nonprofit partner leading Cybersecurity Awareness Month with them, we're able, we're much more nimble and able to move much faster and be more responsive to things. And so um, that's why this public-private partnership works so well. And we're able to reach into our board, right, which mm-hmm. is uh, massive brands uh, from across the globe and from the private sector. And so we're able to um, be that convener between the federal government and the private sector. But being a nonprofit that is product and surface agnostic, we don't promote goods and services. We're just there to be security evangelists Mm -hmm. and we do it quickly and we're responsive. And so that's one of the advantages we have of being a nonprofit uh, working kind of in the the middle of all of these different kind of larger organizations where uh, so uh, it it's definitely a I definitely recognize the the glacial often glacial pace of federal agencies and some of the larger for profit yeah <laughs> or, yeah for profit private sector companies yeah. but um, they have their reasons uh, many times for that but um, that's why we're such a good partner with them. Yeah, and, and with just the technology in general changing so rapidly, Moore's Law, I mean, is you know very well much alive in 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 the tech space. A lot of the things that we are dealing with now weren't dreamed up five years ago. <laughs> okay. yeah. So the even you know going back to social media to the early two thousands when it was we never really understood the consequences and benefits of a technology like that. And so now we're, we're starting to see kind of those, the, the good and bad kind of, again, colliding kind of to, to use a, a theme here for the show of worlds colliding of disinformation and the elections and then, you know, fake news and, and uh, all of yeah. these, uh, you know, the, things that are really at the, the height of um, society right now, at least U.S. society right now. So it's it, there's definitely enough out there to keep folks like you and I in business for a while and, and occupied. <laughs> oh, you know, I yeah. mean, 
crime, crime will always be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, the more connected we are, um, you know, cyber crime is not going anywhere. And, you know, they, they change their themes, right. With, at, with the t- times, you know, to, today it's COVID tomorrow, it'll be a hurricane. The next day it'll be, you know, whatever else. Um, but crime will always be present. Cyber crime will always be present as long as we are connected. And so, um, yeah, that's why uh, we have to remain vigilant and uh, be sure that we're doing everything we can to help others be vigilant and take steps to reduce their vulnerabilities. Again, getting a little bit close and be cognizant. I know you're busy out there. What is your schedule like? You know, working <laughs> for this next month, and you know, for those who want to see what you guys are doing, how can they connect with you? Uh, you know, either as an a organization or you personally. Yeah, so there are a few ways. Uh, I would first say, of course, to get signed up as a champion, a Cybersecurity Awareness Month champion. It is free and it's very fast. I promise. And um, when you sign up as a champion, you receive a champion's toolkit that comes with uh, sample graphics you can share with your customers or any of your audiences. Uh, it comes with um, the new logo, the Cybersecurity Awareness Month logo um, that we just released this year. It comes with some tips on creating awareness campaigns and samples, social posts, a ton of information, uh, all free, and again, for you to co-brand. So one, sign up to become a champion. Um, Organizations can also um, take part online using the hashtag BeCyberSmart. And so that connects you to the larger conversation online. But also just following um, us on social media, usually our our handles at StaySafeOnline, and looking at our events calendar on our website, uh, StaySafeOnline.org. We have a full events calendar and it's organized by events that the National Cybersecurity Alliance are hosting, is hosting, uh, but also um, it's, we have a community events page where organizations from across the globe are able to post their events. And so you're able to stay abreast of, or stay current in all the different events that we as NCSA are hosting or that our partner organizations are hosting on our website. So that, that website is a one-stop shop. And I'll also add that, uh, we created a, a COVID-19 resource library since we've talked about the pandemic on this podcast. Um, when we recognized the threat of the pandemic and the emerging scams that criminals were coming up with and the um, the the increasing threat landscape that telework prov- uh, presented, we pulled together a lot of resources from our federal partners, our private sector partners, our nonprofit partners, and posted them on this uh, security COVID-19 security resource library page that can also be accessed on our website in addition to all of our Cybersecurity Awareness Month uh, information. Nice. Well, and and as I key up the, the closing music here, I, I really want to you know take this last little bit to thank you for coming on the podcast. It, it's been really good to work with you guys over the last, uh, you know, couple years again going back into my days at the state when i first signed the state of indiana up as a a, a champion and now through 
um, both my full-time employer, my side gig, and the the podcast. I, I just hope that people take away, let's be cyber smart. <laughs> let's be yeah. cyber safe out there. And again, Daniel, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Any last words? No, I just, I just want to say, you know, from an IU grad to a Purdue grad, uh, I am happy we've been able to come together and have a uh, sophisticated conversation. <laughs> and uh not taking jabs at each other uh, so I, uh no. we keep it clean family friendly keep it clean. i like that uh, no i i appreciate you inviting me to take part in this and to uh share what we're doing for cybersecurity awareness month and i do hope people get involved and um, of course um they are more than welcome to reach out to the national cybersecurity alliance and ask us any questions on how they can get involved but um, it does take, you know, NCSA, we can't do everything alone and we can't raise awareness for everyone alone. It takes community influencers like you and people across the country and across the globe to reach into their communities and educate the vulnerable, pop the vulnerable populations, which is everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but the populations that they can influence. And so um, how can they take our resources and customize them and target them to their uh, particular audiences. You know, we want that to happen. And so um, it's just a call to action. I think I'll, I always want to end with a call to action is go be a security evangelist, go tell people um, or help people understand that they, they are a target of cyber criminals, uh, no matter who they are. And so, um, yeah, I'll end on that. Awesome. And I'll fix the, the music, but we'll key out the music one more time again, Daniel. Thank you so much. And, you. uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thanks.